Hey, good morning. Good to see you. Welcome to Hope Church. My name's Ross. I serve as senior pastor here. And today, like Deanna said, like our worship team led you in, it's a really fun day because we get to take part in family worship. We have uh, kids and students in the room. Yeah? They're excited. They're excited. And we thank you for joining us online. Um, adults, we're outnumbered now. So what are we going to do? Man, we got to look around. Uh, here's why this is important, though. Um, Deanna had mentioned it. Uh, statistically, for a kid or a student, um, data would tell us that for them to have sticky faith, faith that lasts a lifetime, faith that they uh, that, that is sticky, that they hang on to, uh, it comes with moments of what's called intergenerational worship. Uh, moments where kids and students sit alongside those who uh, generationally are different than them, like adults who are older than them and even uh, people younger than them, and they see them worshiping the God in which they've come to worship, in which they've come to grow in. Each and every week in our student ministry, our kids' ministry, uh, they get to take part in pieces of that, but this morning specifically, they get to see a greater part in that. Where kids and students, you're sitting next to adults, and adults, you have opportunity to, to share and show the way of Jesus in your own life in pursuit of him this morning in this room. That as you engage, as you lean in, as you worship God, as you seek him in his word, and we walk through that together, uh, as you take notes, as you, as you think, as you intently listen to God, listen for his voice, students and kids can be transformed by that. They see your example, they, they see your pursuit, and they're inspired to have it too, to grow in that. They see it's possible. But you know what's so unique um, about uh, our, us as people, about how God created us, is more than just for the young to learn from the old. But actually, Paul wrote this really important letter to Timothy, who was younger. Timothy had this purpose given by God to go and share the message of Jesus and bring many to Christ himself, but yet he was younger. You know what Paul said to Timothy, though, in 1 Timothy 4.12? He said this, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And so oftentimes we think, what can the young learn from the old? But today it's both. In the style of intergenerational worship, what we get to take part in today, actually, the old, you adults can learn from the young. And that means you kids in the room, you students in the room, as you lean in, as you seek God, as you seek to worship him and take notes and dig in and hear his voice, there's adults next to you that need to be inspired to do the same. That, 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 that see that faith and they want to grow to be like you, although you are young. And so I encourage you this morning, we have ample opportunity as a church body where kids and students are a part of our church. We believe in the next generation, what God's raising up to be our leaders, our leaders in the church, our leaders to lead others to Christ. But we're excited to see how we take part in this morning. So I'm, I'm super excited as we dive in and we're going to jump in kids and students. All right. So like buckle up, let's do a little fake buckle tight. Let's do it. So this morning we're starting a series called, uh, is Jesus my, we see throughout the book of John, these moments that Jesus says, I am. And then he says a statement after that. He uses these metaphors, these figures of speech to show us more of who he is and this saving relationship in which he brought to the world, to me and you. And so in these seven I am statements, the next seven weeks leading us to Easter, we're going to dive into these and, and what Jesus is inviting us into. And we think of the statement I am, how, how powerful that is for someone to say, I am, like for me, Ross, 
I am a follower of Jesus. What even deeper in the context of this morning, when we look at the passage, is Jesus and his I am statements for then and for here today are really head snapping. If we remember all the way back to Exodus a long time ago, God himself said, I am who I am. Here we go in Exodus 3, 14, he says, uh, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to tell the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. See, this I am statement of God is powerful. Why? Because it shows that God is an everlasting, pre-existing, forever has been, forever will be God who was pre before anything, not created, but creator. He is a God who just was. He always was there. He is eternal in nature and person and God. And so yet when Jesus begins to say his statements of I am, contextually to them, the Jews at the time listening, the people uh, of the faith then, they would have remembered their ancestors, their grandparents, the, the, the people before them experienced this God moment of God saying, I am. And then God sends Moses to actually lead God's people out of captivity. And yet Jesus is saying the same thing. See, throughout this series, we'll be prompting a question that leads with this. Is Jesus my? We'll be completing the sentence each week with a call to invitation of what Jesus is really inviting us into by his I am statements, by recognizing, solidifying his, his lordship, his God in the flesh, reality, his truth of who he is with these invitations for me and you. And so this morning, what we'll find is that Jesus shares uh, uh, how he is the one who spiritually fills us, who, who deeply fills our greatest need, but not that we would just know that truth, but yet we would believe and respond in rejecting what, what we would find in the earth to fill us, anything else that we would think could fill us. We would reject those and trust and believe in Jesus who can only fill our greatest need. And we're going to be answering some of that as we go through. So in John 6, 25, here we go, kids in the room. If you walked in, they got a note sheet. You write down John 6, 25, write down the reference. A little challenge to kids and students in the room to get track you along, okay? You ready? Count how many times I say Jesus. Count how many times I say bread, all right? So be on the lookout there. You have a sheet that says count how many times. Let's, let's do that together. So kids or students in the room. Adults, if you walked in, you can grab a note sheet on the back wall. You don't have any counting markers, although you could count those same things, uh, but you can take notes with us along the way. We're in John 6, 25, John 6, 25 through 35, and then we'll be in verses 48 through 51. I'm going to read it and then we're going to pray. Ready? When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed a seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give us that we, will see, we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. 
Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. In verse 48, he repeats, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for our church. And from generation to generation, represented in this room, God, you are the same God, faithful and ever so present, sustaining God who loves us. And so if, if any of us need that assurance today, God, that you love us, may that be what we walk away with most, that you love us, God. And so I thank you for our students and kids. I thank you for our adults and families. And may we grow more in understanding you and your invitation for us. God, may we be led by your Holy Spirit. May you just show us the way to trust you more, to believe in you, and to love you back because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. So here in Dubuque, not a surprise to many of you, but there's two bridges that cross the Mississippi. Maybe you've never seen them before, but I'll share, share with them where they're at. So, so one is the uh, Illinois Bridge, okay? There's a bridge that takes you to the state of Illinois, and another one that takes you to the state of Wisconsin, the Wisconsinites, okay? And so either this morning you came maybe, maybe from the Wisconsin Bridge, maybe from Platteville or, or, or Lancaster, you know, somewhere up there. Or maybe you came from the Illinois Bridge, East Dubuque, and further in Illinois, somewhere else I'm, I'm unsure of. But maybe you came across one of those two bridges. Depending on the day and the time and the hour that is unknown to us, but maybe known to some people in the room, um, you can cross the Illinois Bridge at a specific time. And, and with your windows up or your windows down, this aroma hits you in the face like a baseball bat. You'll be driving over the bridge from Illinois, and all of a sudden you smell the deep, amazing, enriching smell of bread, right? It's the bimbo factory downtown or the bread factory that's making bread at all sorts of the hours at any time you go and you feel it just straight in your face. And what do you, what do you sense at that? Man, I want to live there. You know, I really want some bread. I would love to just buy a cologne that has that and maybe I'd be, you know, smelling good, all these kind of things, right? And, and, you, and you think when you cross, you, you feel that because we love bread. We love the smell. And there's like two groups of people in the room. One, if you have an allergy, you're, you're gluten-free. You got to eat bread in like a different way, you know, like a certain type of bread. You still eat some type of bread, but just gluten-free bread. Or others like me, it's like gluten-full and you're like eating all the bread, right? And, and so, you know, maybe some of you kids are looking at your parents like you always eat the bread, you know, or like, you know, kids, you know, adults, you're like, stop eating as much bread. But either way, we love bread. It's a part of our diet. So similar to the time here, in this moment in history, bread is a major part of the diet, a major, major part. And, and for him to even reference bread would be uh, just sending up these signals like, oh, I know what bread is. I know that I need to consume it to sustain my life. Because at this point, bread uh, was really just a part of every single meal. Surprisingly enough, a person could survive a long time just on bread and water alone. And so Jesus, in this approach of teaching them, the way in which it is to know him better is using this illustration, this metaphor, this, this figure of speech of bread for himself, but tuned to a deeper reality of where we need to be fed most. He, he begins to mention this bread of life in which he is. 
And, and right before this passage, he had uh, done a miracle feeding uh, many people with bread, just a simple, a few loaves and some fish. He fed, he fed many miraculously. After that, he walked on water across the Sea of Galilee and went to a different place. And this is where we find our passage today. They're looking for Jesus uh, and, and what Jesus says to get more bread. But he had this head-snapping statement in John 6, 35, speaking of that bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. So just like our time today, and especially then, bread being a very core piece of their diet, they'd be thinking, what? That head-snapping moment, you know, when a friend tells you something outrageous. What? What did you say? You know, not in a negative way, okay? We're not starting fights, but just like, you know, what? And so, so Jesus says this really powerful statement connecting to the I am of God that they knew. And, and, and what God said years ago that's carried generation to generation to the I am of Jesus today, God in the flesh, coming to invite us into a saving relationship by him. But what does that have to do fully with bread? And he's saying, I'm the bread of life. If we think of what bread um, meant then and what it means now, Jesus is pointing to the fact that he's essential for life. He, he, is, he is what's needed for the life we're looking for. He is essential for the everlasting life we need, we are hungry for. Because no matter who you talk with this morning, wherever you go after this, any person you meet, we're all hungry. We're all hungry people, hungry for identity, hungry for purpose, hungry for meaning, hungry for true life, hungry for an everlasting life, something that means more. We're hungry for that. We are created, marred by sin, separated from God, and hungry for that relationship again. We're hungry for that. Yet Jesus is the bread in which we need. What does that look like? Oh, what, 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 is, what does Jesus say throughout this passage that shows us this contrasting reality of the bread we so seek in our life to fulfill us and the Jesus who truly does? What we'll find in this passage is uh, we'll navigate it through, through, through some of Jesus' words and, and what he's saying, what he's not saying, and how it's leading us to this fulfillment in him that can only come from him uh, for today, but also eternity to come. So let's jump in. Uh, first point number one for kids and students in the room, adults, point number one is this. He endures, never spoils. He endures, never spoils. We're accustomed in our time today, right, to go to the grocery store and look quickly at the expiration date. Why? Because we want something that lasts longer or a long enough period to where we'll actually use it. So, for example, if you walked in and saw milk expired one day after you were trying to purchase it, depending on how fast you drink milk. I mean, maybe you're doing the gallon challenge or something, you know, students in the room, don't do that. Um, you know, how fast you're going to drink it. You'd be like, man, I I'm not going to buy the milk that expires tomorrow. You want lasting milk, something that lasts longer. And so kids in the room, I, I felt I maybe need to warn you when you open the, the fridge, unless your parents tell you otherwise, if something's expired, probably shouldn't eat it. Okay. It might make you sick. Who knows? And so in this reality, Jesus is saying, he's the one who endures and never spoils. What does he say? In John 6, 26, he says this. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So before, they were the ones who were fed before by Jesus, when he made the miracle of the feeding of 5,000 people. But then he says in verse 27, don't work for the food that spoils, but for, for the food that endures uh, 
to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God has placed his seal of approval. What was happening is they'd come to him for all the wrong reasons. They were people in which were looking for a means to more uh, physical bread that would sustain them today, but were ignoring the fact that Jesus was inviting them into everlasting bread of him, eternal life in him that would sustain them for a lifetime and forevermore. Jesus calls them out quickly. You think how abruptly they're like, I just want some more bread over here. I'm a little hungry, you know. He's like, no, no, you're not coming for the miracles you've seen or the, the truths I've been telling you. You're just coming for that. And, and I want to invite you into something more. For the bread that I want to give endures and doesn't spoil like the physical momentary sustaining bread you ate a few days ago. Like the food on your counter and the food that we search for, he isn't one that spoils. He is a God who's everlasting. He is a bread that, that spiritually fills us forevermore. And oftentimes, like the people today, we look for things to fill us that truly don't belong and truly we think lead us to everlasting life that it really doesn't. We think oftentimes in our life, we attempt to fill with these things like in our jobs and positions. Man, if I can only get that raise, only get that job, only get that position, I would have the fullness of life in me. I would find, this is what I've been looking for. This will fulfill me. Maybe in this relationship that I so desperately want, if I just get that, it'll fulfill my greatest need. I'll just have a life complete. Maybe if my bank account is big enough, I can collect enough money. I would have the greatest fulfillment. I would have what I need. Maybe the toys that we have at home, kids, Maybe the possessions we own, we think, this, if this could, I can get enough of those. If I get everything I want, everything I ever think of or dream of, then I would have all I need. Maybe the way we look. But in reality, these are the things that spoil on us, that don't last, that don't endure, that aren't with us for the long haul like Jesus. These are the things in which we try to fill ourselves on so frequently and yet we find at the end of, of what we believe is fulfillment leads to further hurt, further pain, further loss, maybe further disconnection from what we're truly seeking in Christ. What we find is they spoil quickly, often, over time, certainly. They don't last. Unlike Jesus, the bread of life, which does. And that's what he's connecting with these people. I've come and shown you miracles. I've come and taught you the truth of me. I, I've invited you into this life with me, but yet you're only looking to me as a means of bread that you believe you need, but I'm truly the bread of life you need. I'm truly the one you need. And what's he pointing to? Belief in him, trust in him, relationship in him, and that's what we truly are hungry for or need. Not a means to bread, but he is the bread. He endures and never spoils. He is the one who is everlasting and always will be. He's the one who won't spoil on you. Who won't turn back on you. Who won't grow old from you. He's the one who's always with you. As we see, he's the one who endures and never spoils. We don't have to worry about those things in him. But he's also offering this bread that is point number two, given, not earned. Point number two is this, given, not earned. And so you think naturally they're thinking through this bread, 
They haven't seen the miracles. They're like, okay, so how can I get it? And that's kind of what they say. In John 6, 28, they asked him, what must we do to get, what, what must we do to do the works that God requires? What must we do to do this? And you know how Jesus answered? He answered very pointedly because this bread that he is offering is given and not earned by us. He says this, it's actually the work of God is this, that you believe the one he has sent. Later in Ephesians 2, 8, it says this, For it is grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation, life everlasting, which Jesus has come to give, which he's saying, I'm this bread of, I'm this everlasting, uh, enduring, not spoiling bread that you're truly after, that you're truly hungry for, this everlasting life. I'm the one that actually comes and I give it to you. It can't be earned by you. Not enough things you can do, money you can have, not enough good things you can be a part of, not enough actions you can take. I am here giving you and by which you just believe and confess in me and the gift is yours. Nothing you can do to pay for it. We're too broken, rebellious. It is impossible for us to earn it on our own right. And sometimes we just get stuck there because we're often working people as God designed, but not for the salvation in which he offers. We think if I can just show up to church, do all the right things, give enough money, God will certainly show, like I've earned my way here. Because Ephesians remind us, and God, Jesus is pointing out, it is the work of God in which he received this bread from me. It is his work through me, what we know on the cross, that you believe and confess, trust, leading to obedience, and that is by which this bread's given to you. This everlasting, sustaining, enduring bread of life is given to you. Belief in me, trust in me. So must, what must we do? What, what work, work must we do? Believe in me, trust in me, for it is God's work he's done. Think how freeing an invitation like that is from Jesus. There's no payment you need to take part in. I'm going to, to take your payment. We see that further in our passage as we continue. Jesus, the bread that endures, is given to us, not earned. Jesus is also the bread that comes from heaven and gives life, not from man. Point number three, comes from heaven and gives life, not from man. If we continue in verse 30, so they asked him, what sign will you give to, to show us this? What will you do? Our ancestors are thinking in the past in Exodus, right? Our ancestors ate the manna, verse 31. In the wilderness, as is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You know what Jesus responds with? He says in verse 32, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Picture this, it's Christmas morning and you run to the tree or to the living room or you run to where the, maybe a few presents are, right? And say that a parent, a grandparent, friend, a spouse, whoever hands you a present and they say, this is from so-and-so. What if you stood back and just challenged that, right? Say, how do I know it's from so-and-so, you know? Maybe there's some kids in the room that, that do that. I don't know. How do I know? It's from you. 
he could go back to the record books and be like, okay, let's look at my, you know, bank statement and I'll show you, you know, or whatever. But we've, we've designed this way in which when we get presents, there's a gift tag. We write to you from so-and-so, whoever it's from. And, and say that challenge was met and you could say, okay, great question. Here's who it's from. They wrote it to you. It's to you. It's from them. You see that they're writing. It's from them for you. Here's where Jesus is going is, is routing us to the realization of where the bread of heaven comes from, from God. It is a gift in which he's giving to you and giving to you so much so that it comes from heaven, cannot come from man. And he corrects that narrative that even the bread in Exodus from Moses was from God. If you remember in Exodus 16:4, the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. He was the same God who delivered the bread that, that sustained for a while. Yet, remember in the end of our passage, they still died. Yet, Jesus is the bread that leads to eternal life. Jesus is the better Moses. He's the one who has come to fulfill to the fullest. Not only the prophecies that, that at be, but the person that you are. He's the one who comes to fill you with everlasting life with everlasting life and even a life that you can experience today in him. And we see that connection in 633, John 633, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. To those that if we back up, the work of God is this, that you would believe. Life to the world that through your belief is given to you, not earned, comes from heaven, no man, no person, no other person, but God. And yet, in that, you can experience life. Jesus is the bread that endures and given to us from God that comes from heaven, not from anyone else, but God himself. So that leads us to our question for the morning. When it comes to Jesus being the bread of life, is Jesus my bread of life? Is Jesus your bread of life? Is he the one in which you believe and trust and look to your fill, not as a means to more bread that can sustain you for just a moment of time, but he is the bread from heaven that has come to sacrifice his life that you may have life abundant in him. That by trusting in him, believing in him, he would be your bread of life, one in which is essential to have life to begin with, the one in which you are hungry for. If we if we look at the very end of John, or near the end, John, the writer in the Gospel of John, he made it very clear his purpose for writing in the end. And you think how beautiful that is? Like he walks us through and he, it's clear the purpose he's writing all throughout. But at the end, he summarizes it like this in John 20, 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So all that we've read today, the, the moments of Jesus' words himself, the great I am coming to be the bread of life for you is so that in John's word, that by believing you may have life in his name. This example, this metaphor, this moment that Jesus boils down to recognizing the bread that we so very need to essentially live on earth, but that truly to eternally live comes in him alone, comes by him alone. It's a gift from God given, not earned, endures, doesn't spoil, and yet comes from God, from heaven above.
For Jesus said in 648, I am the bread of life. And in 51, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats it will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus is the living bread that when we believe, when we trust, when we receive has eternal fill. He's all we're looking for. He's the one in which we're invited to. He's the one in which we're given as a gift. And yet through trusting him, surrendering to his lordship in our life and obeying his command, we're led to life everlasting. We're led to, to life that we can experience today, the joy of knowing Jesus and the eternity of spending with him. We're all hungry looking for this bread. We're all hungry looking for identity, purpose, meaning, hope, joy, peace that can only come from Jesus. So the question is, is Jesus your bread of life? Is he the one you're willing to believe and accept? The one you're willing to join? The one you're willing to confess to? How do you know Jesus is your bread of life? We think of then, if maybe you're a person who you've trusted, surrendered, you believed, how do you know he's your bread? You know how you know Jesus is your bread of life? He's the one that you look to for your fill. Jesus is the one you look to to fill up on. He's the one you seek after for your ever so fulfilling needs. He's the one you take root in. He's the one you build your life on. That's how we know Jesus is our bread of life. And we think of our obedience that follows belief and confession in Jesus. How we have a, a desire to obey him because of who he is, our Lord, our Savior. And so we only owe a life and gratitude and trust and obedience to him. And you know how obedience shows us the way of fulfillment? We think of kids in the room, right? Kids in the room. When you listen to your parents, when you obey them, you're, you're above that obeying God who's commanded you to obey your parents, right? At the end of that obedience, what you experience, although it can be hard, start out, it's going to be difficult, right kids, students? Though it can be tough at times, what you experience out of that obedience to your parents is obedience to God and you experience joy and peace and the goodness of God because you're, you're doing what he asks. You're following his command. You're obeying him. The similar is true for us adults. When we obey the words of Jesus, when we follow him and seek after him, look to apply his word to our lives. We're walking in the way of Jesus. We're walking in the way he asks of us. And so we experience that same joy, peace, and pleasure of obeying him. And what do we find? That Jesus fills us through those experiences. He fills us by, like, like through our belief in him, he fills us to greater measure than anything else in the world could or even could imagine to. He does. And as we believe, as we trust him, he always will. So next step for some of you in the room, maybe you're in a point where you haven't uh, taken the step of believing in Jesus for the first time. And this morning, you've come to recognize this reality that Jesus came to give you life and that he loves you. He wants to do this for you, to, to, for you to have life in him, for him to be your bread of life. And so your response today is to believe and confess in him, trust him, 
Make him your bread of life. But there's some of us in the room that at some point we've trusted Jesus, but yet we're looking in the world for things that can fill us. We're looking at positions or money or job titles or relationships to fill our deepest, greatest need. And yet we need to turn back because we've lost the way of Jesus being the one who truly fulfills us. We've trusted in him, but do you actually trust him? You've stated you believe in him, but do you truly believe in him? You need to come back. You need to turn back. You need to let go. You need to let him fulfill your greatest needs. Step into obedience. Trust in him. You need to turn back. Nothing else can fill you like Jesus, the living bread who sacrifices himself for you. The, 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 the most unique part is nothing else you would seek to fill you would actually choose to die for you either. Jesus, the one who has come to fill, who has come to be your greatest fulfillment in life today and eternity tomorrow, has chosen to die for you so that it may be complete in him, so that you may trust and believe in him and have the life in which he's offering you. He is the one, the only one in which we find and, and who meets our greatest hunger, our greatest need, our greatest need for, for God. So would you consider those two steps as you're in the room?